Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us today. This episode is brought to you by 78 Sports. If you're a baseball coach and you're not familiar with 78 Sports, then you need to be. The guys at 78 Sports are a full design, supply, and installation team that does it all for baseball coaches and facilities. Whether you're looking to get new hitting mats, replace some L screens, put up a new batting cage, or even design a brand new indoor hitting facility, the 78 Sports team has you covered for it all. As an exclusive offer for our podcast listeners, 78 Sports is offering special pricing on your order when you mention Ahead of the Curve. Give them a call today at 844-478-TURF to get your order started. You can also check them out on their website at www.78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number 8, sports.com. On today's show, we have on Matt Swope. Matt just finished his sixth season as an assistant coach and recruiting coordinator at the University of Maryland and his 11th overall on staff. To put it lightly, Matt has been a vital part and played a key role in Maryland's rise to national prominence, both as a player there and now as a coach. In 2022, they set program records for home runs, hits, runs, RBIs, slugging percentage, walks, and doubles. So on the show, we discuss what led to such a successful year this spring, and in one word, relentless. We also go over what he's planning this fall, and he takes us through what a game planning session would look like for the spring. I love this episode, and I think you will too. And here is Matt Swope. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate you having me, man. Sure, sure, of course. So I am really excited to get to talk with you today. And after watching you guys, and you guys absolutely killed it offensively. You guys had an awesome year uh, in really all aspects of it. But been a close follower of yours for a while and, and really excited to uh, get to speak with you today. Uh, and, you know, I, after watching you guys all year long, you guys scored a ton of runs in a lot of different ways. And it just felt like you guys were just like uh, just the offensive culture there. It was really, really good. I'm sure it helps with really good players uh, with really good coaches. But take us a little bit inside, you know, what that felt like. What do you think created that? And just kind of walk us through what do you think led to such a good year? Well, I mean, first of all, I think you got to have a good group, right? You got to have kids that that want to buy in, that 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 really believe in what you're trying to do. So, I think we had a, a good mix of that coming off the regional year, where we had where we lost at ECU, and we had a, a good chunk of guys back. And just from day one, from the previous summer all the way going into the fall, the guys were just bought in. So, I would say it's more more the guys, you know, putting the time in and willing to just kind of put their faith in you with that, um, and it just kind of took off from there. I love hearing that. So tell us a little bit about, you know, you, you, uh, seem to be a guy that that's, that's forward thinking. Uh, you guys do some stuff that looks really simple. You guys do some stuff that's really complex. So, you know, we're, we're in the, we're in the period now where everybody's trying to plan out this fall and, you know, seeing the things that you guys were able to do last year, what are some things that, that you want to do this fall to try and replicate a lot of that success, you know, and just, it could be, you know, just philosophy or drill work or periodization, like whatever you think is going to be helpful. But, you know, for those out planning, uh, planning what what they're going to be doing this fall, you know, now, what were some different some suggestions that you had? And then what is it going to look like for you guys? Well, I think it's tough, right? Because anybody that would look at the numbers would be like, if you change one thing, you're crazy. <laughs> so that's kind of the struggle I right. have is, is you're, you're always evolving as a coach, you're, you're getting better, you're, you're, 
you're trying to communicate better to your team. But, you know, you look at what we did and it's kind of like, oh, well, why would you change things? But, you know, me just being who I am, I'm always going to have a growth mindset. I'm always going to push forward. I'm always going to try to drill down on things. And for me, you know, the premise of everything I do and will never change is it's all about coaching the individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost, uh, what makes him tick, uh, even down to what type of brain type he has. We have, we have 16 different brain types that, are, that we have. And, oh, cool. you know, I, I give them personality tests and I, I need to know how they receive feedback. Uh, can they take this criticism? Maybe Maybe a way that I can communicate with them better. So for me, it always starts there where, you know, I think, I kind of grew up with the same type of coach where everybody was really tough on you. And, and, you know, Mm -hmm. just because I'm competitive, I'm going to communicate with you like that. And this is how it's going to be, you know, when it just today, it's not going to work like that. It doesn't work like that. Uh, Social media, things are more transparent. People are more vulnerable or willing to be vulnerable. So it's Mm -hmm. my job is, is to conform to them to a certain extent on understanding how they're going to receive the information that I'm giving them. Uh, so that's super important. So I'm always going to drill down on the individual first, uh, get to know them a little bit, and then I can go from there on the baseball side. Sure. What were the what personality tests do you guys give? So these are, I mean, you can find them uh, generically. So I read a book a couple years uh, from a guy that's out in California, and he was like the godfather of trying to predict sport outcomes based off personalities. Okay. And, and while I'm sure a lot of NFL teams and all these NBA are paying for that information to try to predict that, I read it and took it more as how I'm going to communicate better with my team. Okay. So, you know, you can find, you can go on the internet right now in two minutes and say, you know, type in personality test and it'll give you one and then it'll spit it back what your, what your brain type is. Okay. So it'll give you some feedback based on that. And then obviously you can delve into, um, you know, what it is, are you an introvert? Are you extroverted? Uh, and, and our society, just because we say introverted, we automatically think that they're quiet, mm-hmm. um, which, which that's not really the case. They can have some extroverted type of, from traits, but we, we just as a society hear that word and think that. So it's really detailed, it's really specific, but I'm always, even in the recruiting process, you know, which is way too early now, which is mm-hmm. on another level, but you know, I'm delving into this stuff three years before they get here. That way, when they do get here, um, you know, I have a really good understanding of, of you know, who they are and, and how they're receiving feedback and what makes them tick. Sure. No, I really like that. And, you know, are, are there any are there any trends that you have found? So let's say I went on and and I, I gave them these tests and I got their personality traits how would you how how have you had success with knowing that or maybe what's the line of questioning that you use that really helps get to the heart of, of the player you know with you said there were 16 so i'm sure that there's there's a lot of variability in that but you mentioned you know introvert extrovert yeah. uh, what are some advice of just like if we knew that our players were that what would what would your advice be with that oh it's just it just gives you a different way to communicate with them you know it. it's basically having the answers to the test and in the college world, I don't have time. So every second I have with my players matters. So I don't have the time for the trial and error on the feedback. I don't have the time for the trial and error on the communication. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't have that because it's eight hours in the fall and 20 hours for five weeks. And then that's it. You know, I don't, I don't get to sit in there uh, like pro guys or, or maybe guys that come from facilities and give lessons and sit in there and talk for hours like I do with Lamont Wade. You know, that's that's the difference in, in the in the relationship is being able to do that. So if I can cut down that time, 
and, and understand the player better, then that allows me to um, communicate better from the, from the movement side or, mm-hmm. or from the mental side or from things in baseball that he's not doing it. And I don't want to get too deep into it because it's very difficult, but there's a lot of science now on brain types and how and why they move. So gotcha. if people wanted to go down a rabbit hole, there, there is a correlation between brain types and, and, and how people move. And there, there's been studies on that for years. So, you know, even me going down that, I, I think I have a good idea sometimes um, what I'm going to be looking at as we go. Oh, very cool. Well, let's talk about, you know, some of the pillars of this offseason. So you get to know the players and I know that you, it's a division one school. So you guys have some really strict time restrictions, but just walk us through, you know, how this fall is planned out. I, I, I'm like, just assuming here, you're going to have a team period to where you guys are on the field at the same time. And then it's usually individual periods after that, you know, what's, what's the plan and like, how do, how, if someone has similar uh, time restrictions is that how do we own it what are you guys planning on doing and then just let us take a deep dive into that yeah so we always we always the first five weeks are individuals for us so I know a lot of schools will go right into fall practice because then they want to kind of dive into after that the problem I I personally don't think that's the best way you know I I think that the first four or five weeks you you have to have a foundation of what you expect from an offense a defense from a pitching staff from a sign perspective, from a culture perspective, I think you need to almost teach that stuff and, and make sure that everybody's on the same page. Okay. Um, so we, we do the first four or five weeks of just individuals, and that's, that's more of a teaching period. I think it's also important that, you know, these first four or five weeks, if I have freshmen or, or a transfer come in, I'm not saying a word to them about their mechanics. Uh, I need to watch them for four or five weeks, their mannerisms, uh, their adjustments, uh, their frustrations, anything. I, I need to pick up on that because if I start telling a kid a week after he gets here to start changing things, you may lose him right there uh, or you may set him back from a confidence standpoint. So sure. I think I think a lot of coaches do that uh, too, too early and it's not because it comes from a bad place and they don't want to help, but you know, you're, I think you're going to lose kids faster like that. So the first four or five weeks, you know, we're just teaching, implementing, setting the stage. And then when we get into the practice period, it's full bore. People know where they're supposed to be, what they're doing, what they're looking for, the culture, all those different things. And that kind of takes us almost into uh, Thanksgiving. And then, you know, we're kind of winding down from there. There's not much from there. No, that's really good. So on, uh, on Instagram, you post a lot of different drill work videos and a lot of different things that you guys are doing. How do you balance... Because uh, you mentioned getting to know the individual first, so I'm sure all of this is calculated on what you guys are doing. But how do you balance, you know, the thought processes, swing mechanics, uh, like movement prep? You guys do a lot of different things with each different player. Like, what's what's your process behind that? Because I would love to learn more about it. Yeah, I think it's uh, it starts with uh, having everybody on the same page. You know, Coach Vaughn has been great. I've I've, no, I've been with him for 11 years at Maryland, so we came in together here under Coach Chef. So. I think one, it's that the cohesiveness, you can't have, you know, other coaches believe something that ends up being, you know, contradictory, which happens a lot because of egos. So I think number one, you have to be on the same page as a staff. Uh, We have a strength trainer in here now, Nate Garza, who's my first ever strength trainer that was a baseball player. And I can't tell you how much of a difference that makes if everybody's listening out there and hiring someone. 
um, you know, in the baseball world as far as, you know, what to do. Uh, I think he just has a different perspective on it's not siloed into what maybe like a CSCS certification would be from any sport. Uh, he understands the, the what it takes from a pitching, from a hitting standpoint, because he was a baseball player. And I can't tell you how much time that cuts down because I can do move prep. Uh, I could do work in the strength training session in the morning uh, that he implements part of the lift that I don't have to do um, during maybe a, a, a pre-hitting situation where it's taking up more time. So I think the communication from the staff being on the same page with your trainer and strength trainer um, allows us to to kind of do that stuff uh, at a at a at a better pace at a at a quicker rate at a, sure. at a higher efficiency. So. Um, it's, it's, it all starts with the whole cohesiveness in the staff for sure. Okay. Can you, if you don't mind, take us into a conversation that you would have with him? Cause I know like we hear that a lot, but like the execution of it is not easy because you know, you're on two different schedules and if you've got more than two people involved, you're on three to five different schedules and just trying to figure out, okay, how do we make sure we're on the same page with, you know, each of these, you know, 40 players that, that yep. you're going to have not, well, not including POs, yep. but uh, take us through what like a conversation like that would look like uh, with him that in this upcoming fall or even in the preseason before you guys get there. Yeah, I'm literally we're going through a week, so we oh, cool. literally. Yeah, you know, I've given a presentation at Bridge the Gap on this. So mm-hmm. me and him, me and him actually gave the same presentation together. We gave it together as a strength and conditioning and hitting coach. So um, it's something you just have to be very clear on, you know. So we're not taxing the CNS. Uh, so we're not putting ourselves into bad situations where we're doing the same movements. I'll give him a weak outlook. Hey, uh, this is going to be a higher rep day on this. Uh, so, you know, what are you doing in the weight room? So I know the heavy lift days and, and, and he knows the high capacity days from a practice or a hitting perspective. So that stuff is, is done before the week even starts. So there's just not a lot of uh, hitting or pitching coaches that are going to have that conversation with the strength coach. And the strength coach is normally just very stringent on what he wants to see from, from a results standpoint, but we're forgetting about the performance aspect on the field. Um, and everybody's guilty. So, you know, we, we added catapult this year for the first time, uh, which was, you know, it's like a wearable device for load. And I know people hate that word. It's just, you know, no matter where you're at on that stance, the only thing I care about is performance. Uh, what's going to make the guys perform better. Uh, what's going to keep them fresh. Uh, if that's less swings and, and whatever it takes, I don't care. Uh, I'm, I'm not into let's just check the box to check the box. So uh, we've always been on the same page. You just We just work out the week, and he knows my loads. I know his loads, and it's as simple as that from starting there. And I, I guarantee you most, most people in most schools just don't do that. Sure. Can you give our listeners an idea of what like a high – CNS day would look like from both ends so they can go, okay, I need to be aware of this more often. Yeah. It, it may be something where he's in the weight room doing, you know, squats or, or front squats or, or maybe some type of high output plyo stuff, you know, where it's going to tax him a little bit. And then, you know, I can't match that with, Hey, we're going to do heavy plyo balls, you know, in, 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 you know, hitting off the plyo balls with bats or, uh, you know, a hundred swings off a, off a machine. Uh, maybe something where I'm doing med ball slams with the bat or something or, or a heavy bag swing uh, where you're really working on the core and, and bracing and all that stuff. So we just need to make sure that we're not doubling up on that stuff, you know. Um, and again, some of that is, a, you know, it's hard to avoid, but 
you can also change the volume. It just doesn't have to be completely changing the exercise. You just have to be creative with it. Sure. No, that's really, really good. Uh, and thank you for, for giving us some insight behind that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, your, your prep work. And I I think that this is, it, it seems to be a passion of yours of just like, how do we prepare the body before we hit, or maybe, you know, your, your pre BP or pre machine or pre hitting, routines and uh it seems that that, like you post a lot of that type of drill work on you know on social media so tell us a little bit about you know what are your some of your favorite things what are you looking for and how do you get guys maybe to even have you you've talked a lot about the individual uh process like individual player process so tell us a little bit about how all of that comes about and how you decide what each player needs to do yeah, well, you know, there's a there's a lot of things out there these days, and I've been down deep holes with running and all that, and uh, guys that move on their forefeet and guys that that move in their heels. So I, I've been down rabbit holes for years on trying to make sure that uh, I'm doing the prep work that's that's actually going to be right for their central nervous system, and uh, that individual path is very difficult. So when the guys come in for the day, we we actually hit. Uh, they come in, they hit with me before they go out to practice. So we have a segment where we're working on, you know, the feels, the the prep work, the the time to be a little bit creative. And then when you walk outside for the day, we need to turn that on and compete. So the guys, each individual guy will have their own program, uh, whether that's with a water bag or maybe it's just a plyo circuit. Uh, you know, some guys are doing a little bit more to, you know, in their posterior chain or, or, or anterior chain. It's, it's not one or the other. Okay. So everybody's different. So the process for that is, is very lengthy. Um, what type of mover they are. It's not just based off range of motion, like a lot of maybe just physical trainers have been doing for years. It's not based off that. So it's all scientifically based off uh, how I'm trying to understand how their body wants to move, not make them move the way my opinion or uh, the way I want them to move. And I think that's the problem across the board is you're seeing everybody try to do the same things. And that's what uh, our country's done for a long time with whether it's shoes, you buy a pair of shoes, you don't pick the kind of soles or cushion soles or hard soles. You know, you're, you don't have those options. They're kind of they're kind of, you know, making you fit into that. So what I'm trying to do is just individualize it off them. And I know I'm, I'm going very deep on you right now, <laughs> but, but this is, this is sure. what I've been, been trying to do for, no doubt. for, for 10 or 11 years and get it right for the player, not necessarily have him fit into what I want him to do. So I'm sorry, there's no one answer, but everybody's doing different stuff. Uh, based off kind of what their what their encoded movements are. I gotcha. Do those stay the same throughout the year, or is it one thing that you want some variability within it? Yeah, I'll give them some variability. So I try to what I do is you know after those five or six weeks, I'll I'll get into uh, two and three week periods of drills and, and see what kind of works for them. Is it working? Is it not working? Are the cues working? Um, Because again, just because you're trying to find an individual movement for that player doesn't mean the drills and the cues and the feels aren't just as important. They are, right? Like we have to know, hey, this is what his body wants to do. Okay, what is going to fit that mold so he understands it? And that's that's the coaching part um, that I think is missing all across the board in, in Major League Baseball and college and high school is that the application for data or the application for 
for the movement is is still the most important, right? It's it's not the data. It's the application of how you're going to make those changes. So uh, yes, we'll switch that every two or three weeks. Uh, they'll have probably three phases of that till they go into uh, Christmas break. Okay. Um, and then they come back. And my biggest thing is I always say is development isn't someone doing what I tell them to do. Development is them becoming their own best coach. And it always will be. Uh, so when I'm having conversations with Lamont Wade, who's coming back, you know, yesterday or two days ago and then tonight, you know, he's not relying on me or his hitting coach with the Giants to make adjustments. That's that's also a problem that I feel that's kind of happening across the board with swing coaches and just whatever. It's it's more of a crutch instead of that person knowing in and out, you know, what they need to do on that day. Perfect. Great answer. So with that, I, you know, I, you, you mentioned the word data. <laughs> and so as, as a hitting guy, I'm always curious, you know, what, what devices do you like? I mean, it, it's, it, it's all, like you mentioned, it's all very individual based, but what are some different things that you guys have there that you use and, and that you like? I don't use anything. Okay. Um, to be honest with you, I, you know, it's just something that you can look at the numbers and, and it's easy for me to say, well, we didn't use anything, so we don't need it. You know, no, that's not it. I mean, Mm-hmm. I'm pretty well versed on the KVS, the the blast, all that different stuff where I've seen it, I've tried it, I've done it. Uh, and for me, uh, it's we have Yakertech, and that is the biggest, most important thing for me. And it's not because it gives me exit velocity or launch angle. It's because I can laser the strike zone. So for me, my number one will always be zone discipline. When you come in the first day, the only thing I will talk about is swinging at strikes and taking balls, and I am a savage about it. Uh, we give the guys uh, reports every morning after the game, and I have it coded specifically, and I used to actually go back and grade it on my own uh, by watching it, but now I, I don't have to because we've coded it. It was essentially, you know, did you swing at the strikes and the pitches you should, and did you take balls? And it's always going to start there. Uh, not mechanics, not anything else. It's always going to start there. So I'm I'm a savage most about that, and the Yager Tech has really okay. helped me because I don't I don't have to I don't have to go back and physically watch and grade the games anymore. I can code it with that data and kind of give the guys a feedback on you know are they swinging at strikes and then kind of what the what was the result on those strikes. Uh, that's that's kind of important too is them starting to understand where they're doing damage and all that. So for me, uh, I'm not any one specific thing I'm swearing by from a, from a tech standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, I think at Maryland too, we just, we don't have the largest budget. So I've always had to come from being creative, uh, thinking outside the box, kind of okay. do it yourself type of thing. Sure. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's probably has a little bit to do with, with why I'm not, I don't use it as much. No, no, no problem at all. I love hearing that. So with that, like, let's talk about, so you, you've mentioned getting them to Christmas break or winter break. And then once you get back, like it's a, it's a sprint to start and to, to make sure that they get ready. So whenever you do flip that from, okay, now we're in off season. Now we're in preseason slash getting ready to, uh, getting ready to perform in games. Like you feel like you know, you, you did all of your, I don't want to say development, but you, you spent a lot of time in individual development in the fall. Uh, do you still do a lot of that in the spring or do you flip the switch of, Hey, we're, we're going at the pitcher and that's all that we're worrying about. How do you balance that? If you do both, like walk us through just what January feels like and looks like. 
Yeah, I think most of the time, like in the fall, you're building an engine, and then in the spring, you're just running it, right? So, I would say that yes, we we still do the groups before, but they're 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 more combined. So there's there's less individuality in it. Uh, there's not three groups; there may be one or two. So we're we're kind of all doing our work because they know what to expect. And at that point, you know, and I'm doing it in the fall too. I'm working on mental fitness, and and I call it mental fitness because. It's such a big part of, of what's about to come from a pressure standpoint and all that. So we meditate with our hitters in the fall for three minutes every day before they start. Um, you know, non-negotiable. We're going to do that every single you day. Three or 30? Three. Oh, three okay. Minutes. Perfect. Just Why three? Just, it's just quick, right? It's, you okay. know, I don't have, I don't have a lot of time, you know, Headspace or Calm is sure. a great app where they have guided mm-hmm. meditation. Uh, I don't care what they did in class that day, what's going on with their girlfriend, uh, it's stressful. There's a, there's a lot of stimulus going on or, you know, throughout the day. So, Hey, let's just, let's just get our mind right and then keep going. But, but towards the spring, you know, we need to understand at that point, you know, what your routines are, you know, how you're going to prepare yourself. Because if, if we're not working on the mental fitness throughout, you know, we're opening up like at Baylor this year versus a big 12 team. And, you know, the freshmen and transfers are looking around like, Oh crap. Like, what am I supposed to do today on a game day? And then I'm failing them as a coach. I don't, I, they don't all have to do the same things, but if we're not talking about it, if we're not preparing and, and we don't know individually what we need to have in that routine, then, then, then that's my fault. So I would say, you know, it's less about the individual mechanics of baseball. It's more about the mental fitness and preparation for what's, what's, what lies ahead. Oh, I love it. So, uh, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, when you've got this offensive culture that you've built, to me, the best hitting teams I've ever been around were like they're they're locked in on pitches. They are communicating pitch types uh, and it's a it's an iron sharpens iron type thing of like we are going to grind this out like we're not going to give in. And judging by the stats, I mean, the stats that you sent me over, you guys were like top five and literally everything you set program records and just about everything and again that comes back to you did you do have good players uh you do you guys as a coaching staff do really well but if you had to bottle up like just as as a group what what do you feel like this group did so well that, but and, and i'm going to take this one away from away from you they swung at strikes and they took balls like you can't use that one because <laughs> okay, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that's a big part of it too but like what was that feeling like and what was this group like I, they're just relentless. You know, we have a you have a group of competitors that absolutely were just relentless and didn't Man, care I love that word. if it was four nothing or five nothing. All of a sudden, three run home run, two run home run, and we got five runs on the board before you blinked. And you know that started from the first weekend at Baylor. I mean, we were just absolutely smashing baseballs up or down, and I think that that gave them the confidence. You know, they they did it in the fall, but I think it gives you the confidence when you do it in game that. That sets the tone for the year that, hey, man, it doesn't matter what the score is. Even in a regional championship game, we're, we're down nine runs and almost came all the way back and won. So uh, that they were relentless. I think the other part of it, and I'm just going to keep going back to this, each player individually knows what they're good at. They, they're not trying to do too much. You know, if they know what they're good at, you know, even if that's a drag bunt and, and or, you know, lengthening and shortening the field that way, or they're a runner or they're, they're someone who drives runs in, if, if someone's really confident in what they do individually, that's going to permeate throughout the whole team. And then you're unstoppable. Then it, it, the pitching coach is, 
is saying, how do we get these guys out? So one, the relentless mentality, but two, individually, these guys knowing what they're good at and not trying to do too much is huge when you're trying to, when you're trying to set up your offense. No doubt. I love the word relentless and like take us through, uh, some game planning discussions. I'm always trying to figure out ways uh, to get better at this. And, you know, what are some different things that you guys use? Uh, video seems to, to come up quite a bit. I, I love being able to see a picture beforehand. But let's say you're planning a, you know, a weekend series. Uh, what would that what would the week leading up to that look like? And game planning talks beforehand. And then we'll we'll get into some in dugout stuff, too. Yeah, man, I think this is really hard, especially with so much data these days. Right. Uh, I, I think you can be overwhelmed and, I, and I've gone back and forth over the years, but, but at this point I've never felt better about what we do. Uh, as far as we use video, uh, we only show maybe 10 to 12 pitches. Uh, but I think what you're finding is, is outliers. So sorry. Um, we're finding outliers and with those outliers, if it's a two seam guy, right? Like he's not going to pitch up in the zone. Okay. If it's a four seam guy with a high spin, he's not going to pitch down in the zone. Uh, depending on those fastballs, uh, his breaking ball is going to do something. So if you can start to eliminate quadrants, you can start to see where he attacks, where he executes. Then what you can do is you can fit that to the individual player's strengths. We don't have a blanket approach. I can't say, hey, everybody go backside and hunt the ball away. I can't do that if you're coaching the individual. So we know what the pitcher is trying to do. Then I can assimilate that, and the players can assimilate that into their plan to and their strengths. So I know that seems really deep, but if you do a good job on the front end, uh, coaching them on their strengths and showing them their strengths, when you show video and data on a player, uh, they kind of know what they should be doing in their individual plan. And sure, do they come to me and say, Hey, it looks like he's, you know, I'm going to sit breaking ball here because, you know, he's been dumping it in versus lefties. You know, yes. Are you having those conversations? But, you know, I think we, we've done a really good job at, at, at finding the outliers and then the kids being able to know how that fits to them specifically. No, it's really good. So is there, was there ever a situation this year that you game planned for a certain guy and then it was just what for whatever reason was different in the box, and if so, how did you adjust to that? Yeah, I think you'll find that a lot, right? Like if you if you're perceived at a team that has power, which which we did this year, uh, a, a guy could have percentages of of trying to do something consistently, right? But that day, the pitching coach is going to decide to hey, we're going to pitch backwards, and that happens often. You have to have uh, the the humility throughout the team to say okay. There is a chance he's going to try to throw you differently, and there is a chance that it's not going to just go based off what the scouting report is, but you still have to swing at strikes. <laughs> so so we can't use that as a crutch to be like, well, you said he normally does this, mm-hmm. and today he's doing that. That that's that comes from one of our pillars is ownership. That's, that's not taking ownership in the fact that that guy's trying to beat you. Everybody's trying to beat you, and you're good. So uh, I think that's just a communication thing and understanding what they're trying to do to sure. you. So. So yeah, that's hard, right? I mean, you're you're going to get some different approaches sometimes, but what I found is, and I tell the guys all the time, if a pitching coach is suddenly trying to do something different versus you and what the pitcher normally does in his strengths, you you chances are you already have a leg up. 
So, uh, you know, that has worked well for us. And I think in times like that, you also have to be able to understand, hey, man, this guy's doing a good job today. We got to be a Swiss Army knife. We, we got to work that walk. You know, we're, we're, we're going to steal a base or, or do a or do good job ball and dirt. Uh, you're going to drag for a hit. And then all of a sudden you hit a two run home run. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it just has to be like that. And that's why I think our squad was so good because we literally could do whatever the game dictated. And when you, sure. when you have that freedom mm-hmm. to, to be able to coach offense like that, it's, you're, you're going to be hard to stop. So how did you promote that? Cause I know like early in the year, it's f- frigid. Uh, to probably say the least. So I'm sure the ball's not leaving the yard all the time. Mm-hmm. And was that just a conversation that you guys had of, Hey, we got to just take whatever the game gives us. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's how I coach in general. Right. And so does coach Vaughn. Uh, it, it has to be whatever it takes that day. It takes, and it could be a bunt. It could be a hit and run. Uh, it could be home run. And, and just because it, people consistently see that you hit a home runs doesn't mean that the mentality of, of what it takes in that moment or a tight game isn't there. So we just try to preach that every day. And I think you do that in competition. I think you create a culture and environment where guys are going at each other every single day. Uh, And when you do that, it doesn't really matter that it's not home run derby. It could be a bunt game. Uh, It could be Batia, which is is like the Dominican stick ball. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, It could be anything if you're creating a competitive culture. And I think that, you know, Rob's a master at that. We've done a, we've done a really good job at that overall. I love hearing that. So I I did want to rewind a little bit uh, to talk about, you know, preseason practices. How do you, how do you get guys ready uh, besides like, you know, scrimmages? Is there anything in practice that you do to really try and simulate what you're going to see in a game? Yeah. So we, we have the, we have the pitch sequence where pitch machine, where you can type in the spin rate and all that. Now this is the first year we've had it. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so I, I think you can find the data for the spin rates, but for me, there's a lot of camps on, hey, I just want to see live arm, or you know, we're going to simulate velo on a machine. For me, even when we do the spin on the machine, it still comes down to swing decision stuff. So you know, I'll make sure that we're programming balls and stuff like that, and uh, you know, war work counts. And, and for me, it's more like, hey, you know, what pitch were you looking for in this count? Uh, what were you doing here? Uh, what would your mind frame? Not just, hey, let's just put it on a high spin fastball 97 and see if you can hit it or just a breaking ball or fastball breaking ball. You know, we're, we're, we're always just trying to have them think about it a little bit, but but also have a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I have a love hate with the machines. I think most coaches <laughs> do. Uh, sure. You know, they, they just simulate something that you can't do. But I also throw a lot. I throw a ton of live arm. So, uh, and even then in BP, um, I use the V-Flex, which is uh, okay. it's a contra- it's a contraption for vision, vision in, in BP, and I throw balls. So, again, I'll, I know it keeps coming back to that. But for mm-hmm. me, it's always going to be about the vision and the swing decision part sure. over – Let's try to just force the velo to see if my team can hit it. Okay. So besides the V flex, how do you how do you help guys? Like if I came to you and I, I said Matt, like I don't know I don't know how to teach the vision side of it. I, I think the V flex is a really good one. But how would you like coach me up on on how I can get better at it? Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's a that's a debate, right? I don't know if you can. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I've cared about it for ten years. This is the first year we brought in. 
uh, an ophthalmologist that specifically works with uh, sports vision. Uh, we had everybody assessed. Uh, we had a program. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just can't give you that answer. I think the jury's out. Like, I think there's camps where people say, well, man, like Lamont Wade, he just he's just different because he doesn't swing at balls, you know. Uh, so, you know, we try to train it, but I don't have a specific answer for you on when reality or, or whatever yeah, else sure. is going on. I, I just don't. I mean, I, I've gotten so deep into, you know, your spatial neurons turn off during VR, certain amount of them. So I, I, I can see both camps, but there, I, I, as soon as I have the answer, I may make money on it. but i I just yeah i don't know about the vision piece i just something that i think what the reason why i really like the v-flex stuff is because you don't have to talk about it and it doesn't take time so they have things that you can flip or throw through and the guys are hitting and taking bp or or flips or whatever anyway so if that's something that anything that can be integrated in your normal work without taking separate time to set up or do i think it can't hurt you know sure no, so let me, I'll, I'll rephrase the question with this one. So let's say you have a, a player who is like 0 for 3 with three punch outs and he's he's like, like Matt, I, like I've got, I've got nothing. Help me out. Like I can't see this guy. I'm not seeing it very well. I, this has come up a few times and I'm like, okay, like, you know, you, you can ask questions, but at the end of the day, it's like, man, like, like that's a really hard one to answer. So I would love some help with that. Can you pinch it? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I think then you, then you have to simplify the approach, right? Most of the time, then the guy's spinning, uh, he's not thinking about anything else other than striking out. Right. So we're going to try to simplify it by saying, okay, you're only going to sit this pitch, whether it be breaking ball or fastball, you're only swinging at this pitch. And if most of the time it's a mental thing. It's not a physical thing. Um, because by him saying, I just don't see it means that he's either guessing or making decisions too early or he's mentally spinning or all those other things. Okay. So maybe it's something where you're trying to get him to drag. Maybe it's something where, you know, and if he's not a dragger, maybe you're, you're picking some specific thing of hunting a part of the baseball. You know, you, okay. your brain yeah. can't work multitasking in those situations. So me getting him to focus on one singular task and that is it will give him the mental freedom, hopefully to do whatever he has to do. So I would, I would say it it doesn't really matter what it is as long as you're giving them one singular task. Sure. Great answer. So then I've got, I've got one more for you, uh, in season and that's with players that aren't playing every day and how we, how we keep them like ready. And I think that, that that's always the toughest one, right? It's like the, the guy that, that may play once or twice a week. What's, have you found success in helping those guys? Cause it's not easy and you want them to be as prepared as possible when their opportunity is called, but you just, you might not know when that is. What, what's your advice there? Uh, to me, paying attention is a skill. Uh, to me, that's non-negotiable. So there's anywhere from 30 to 50 at bats that you can watch in the dugout a day. So we have two charts and I know charts are, you know, kind of annoying for some people, but I make our guys that are hitters that aren't in the game do those charts, albeit something like a first pitch chart, uh, tendency chart, something like that. And, Mm -hmm. and some guys will use that, that are really cerebral in the lineup. Most won't, 
but what it does is is that it keeps those guys engaged and locked in so that when I go up to them and I'm asking them a question, they're mentally there. And I've probably had three freshmen in 11 years make an impact. So if they're just sitting around and wasting time and you're not giving them avenues to grow, then that's on me. So I think they can get the mental at-bats. There's charts you could do to keep them engaged. And then we do live at-bats once a week. So we'll always have pitchers that aren't necessarily uh, – getting a ton of innings and we're doing live at bats in a, in a game type situation at least once a week. And those are all the guys that aren't playing. So I think that's a way where you can, you can, you know, form that towards, Hey, this is your chance here. You're treating this just like a game. And there's plenty of times that, that guys end up getting at bats based off that or end up traveling mm -hmm. uh, that didn't and end up playing. Like we, right. we, we circulated oh, yeah. three different freshmen in the DH role and, one finally took hold of it, but you know, it was coming a lot from that. So, it, and I think that with the live at bats and you know, the other stuff in the dugout, they don't have that mental pressure of just feeling like they have to hit a home run in BP every day because that's not going to be productive for them either. Sure. So, just trying to encompass all that different stuff, I think, has uh, been really helpful for our young guys. Um, I think a part of that too is just letting them go play in the summer. Like, yeah. hey, go get it, go get away from me. Uh, I'm not going to, don't send me video. I don't, I'm not going to break down your swing. Uh, <laughs> sure. go figure it out. And if you need me, that that's different. I will always be here for you, but it's not going to be a daily thing where we're, we're talking about this, that, and the other thing. I want you to go apply what you've learned, but at the same time, figure yourself out a little bit. Cause it's always going to come down to more of the, the adjustments from, from your perspective and the mental aspect than it is anything else. Yeah. And then, I mean, like you mentioned, there's going to be guys that, that don't start the year that end up finishing the year in a vital, vital role. And I can think of a couple off the top of my head. Do you think communication and like being in it with those guys and like, Hey man, we like, we got to be ready for a chance cause it's going to come. And if it comes, I, I need you to be ready and just making sure. Cause I, I was, a, I was, I think we all, you know, all as coaches, we, at some point in our career, we weren't good enough to make the next level. So I hope that we remember what it was like to be a bench player. And I think that those were the most vital for me of just like encouragement. Don't let me rot at the end of the bench. Like give me something. And I, I think that that has been very helpful, especially as an assistant coach that I tried and, and look for those conversations. I mean, you got anything on that? I think, you know, what I always try to keep in my mind, the back of my mind to be humble is I'm only good as my, you know, my 18th hitter. Hmm, uh, I like that. And, and that that reminds me to make sure that I'm coaching and and paying attention to everyone. Uh, and that will be counterproductive to what a lot of people do with the the 80-20 the or the 20-80 and all that different stuff. I've heard all that, and that's fine, right? But, you know, I had a freshman this year that, was struggling in the fall, assimilating into class. And uh, there's all these life things that are just going on. And, and I took the time in a few instances to, to be there in a different way from baseball and, you know, didn't start off in the spring great. And it was some of the same stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh, he's growing daily. He's feeling a tick better. Uh, he, he's doing the things from a mental perspective. And he ends up with nine home runs and 70 at-bats as a freshman. So you know, that's something that I'll always pay attention to. Maybe like a Ben Cowles where two years ago, nobody even knew who he was. And, and 
you know, had this potential, was really struggling and was hitting eight for us. And then because of all that work, he hits 18 home runs that year and is drafted by the Yankees. So I always try to just keep that in mind that that's not the easy thing to do. And it doesn't mean that you're going to spend two hours extra with your 18th hitter. But if, if you approach it mentally like that and, and try to always check in and check yourself on are you doing everything across the board that you are for your top three, then I think you're going to be able to move the needle or have more of those instances from the guys at the bottom. Not really good. Well, and a lot of those times they're your younger players and wow. they'll remember that. And it's a, it's a opportunity that, that to make those connections because when they do get older, they're like, Hey man, like he was in it with me whenever I was the 18th hitter, you know, or, or whatever. And I think that that's really good. 100%. They're, they're also talking to the young guys. So when mm-hmm. they become old, sure. it, it, you, you have that culture where it's not all relying on me. And now all of a sudden I'm looking in the corner and these guys are doing it for me. And that's mm-hmm. when you know you feel really good about the situation and what's going on. And, and that's, that's hard, man. That's why the continuity, me and Rob have been here together for 11 years from being young and, and being older and, and growing together and um, good, bad, and different. But that's, that's, that's what's coming the other side out of it now more times than not. So I'm really proud of that. No, that's great. Well, I got a couple more questions before we go. And the first one is, what is the latest thing that you've learned that's made you a better coach? Well, just just getting back more into the the science of of you know the brain types and and the movement stuff. I think that stuff has really helped me not not just try to make everybody uh, do something with the back foot or 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 you know the hands or this that. Like some guys are gonna gonna pronate, some guys are gonna supinate, some guys are going to uh, you know swivel the back leg. Some people like their balance more. Uh, on their toes. There's all these different things that I'm, you know, I'm being exposed to uh, that maybe five years ago, I definitely would have been more open to. I would have just tried to fit people more into categories. So uh, that stuff has definitely helped me uh, be more open-minded, which I think coaches always have trouble with is, is be willing to be open-minded and and again, just do what's best for the player. So um, definitely down more of that rabbit hole where I'm just, trying to continue to grow to help the individual be better. Sure. I hope that we all are. Uh, the next one is what's a drill or competition that your players love that we can steal from you? Uh, a drill or a competition. Uh, I think just putting environments out on the field, uh, no matter what it is, whether it's a, whether it's a, a bunt game or something from a hitting situation, I, I don't have any, any world renowned something that somebody hasn't put, uh, <laughs> that hasn't put on the internet already. Um, I'm definitely not going to be that innovative, but I think when you create a culture on the field, whatever it is that you're competing for that day, um, I think the, the guys do like the Batia because it's so funky. Uh, n- people can look that up. It's the Dominican stick ball with bottle caps. Okay. And I'll put a, a link specific, down in the show notes. Yeah. It's just a specific type of game where, it's just, it's like wiffle ball, except on steroids. So I think sometimes you just need to get the guys out of themselves, uh, you know, from any perspective. And, you know, when you just see them relax a little bit and have fun with it, you'll start to see a little bit more athleticism and a little bit less technical thinking, which I think too many players have these days, you know, um, with all the information. So that's definitely something I enjoy where they can still compete and try to make some adjustments, but, but have fun with it too. 
No, no doubt. I love that. Last one I've got for you is what are some resources that you feel like have made you a better coach? Oh, resources. I, I think there's, from a culture perspective, uh, definitely, you know, making sure that you're reading or if you don't like to read audio books, uh, stuff like Can't Hurt Me, the David Goggins stuff, uh, you know, some Navy SEAL stuff. I think it's always important to not copy people, but you have to understand as a coach and be authentic. And if you're just trying to copy people, you're going to be in trouble. So you have to have the knowledge of what's been done uh, and then try to make it your own. So I think they're from a culture piece. You need to, you need to do that. And Rob's a master at that. And we've all, we've all delved into that Um, from a baseball perspective. Uh, just, just find, I, I think young coaches should have two or three mentors, uh, you know, guys that they trust guys, guys that they can go to, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Donnie Ecker for me, for the, for the Rangers, you know, bleak with 108 Joey, uh, you know, with the farm system, guys like that, that I of course don't agree with everything, but I know I can call and say that, and then they will be open-minded. They just will say, they won't say no, because it happens, you know, because, and I think that's a problem what we have going on. So I think you need to have some resources from the culture, but you also younger coaches and even older coaches need to have two or three mentors uh, that they can just call on the phone and, and, and have a conversation with and absolutely uh, good, bad, and different. So that's great. So Matt, man, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, all that you shared with us today. You absolutely like you rocked this conversation and, and you were very concise. You're very well-spoken and you're very thought out, like with your process and you can tell you have a, have a love for your players. And, and so I just, you know, I want to, I want to share, you know, my thoughts with you uh, before you go, but I do want to give you the opportunity to, you know, is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go, anything that we didn't hit on or anything that we're passionate about that, that you want to leave with our listeners uh, before we, we end this thing? No, I just always try to tell young coaches to be authentic, uh, be you. There's, there's things that have shaped you in your life that nobody else has been through. And, and that's always going to make you who you are. So you can, you can take from smart coaches, smart books, smart this, that, and the other thing, publications, but you always have to assimilate into who you are. So for me, uh, it's always telling young coaches or, or even maybe some older ones that, that have, that have maybe lost their way is, is, you know, making sure that you're being authentic because at the end of the day, uh, that's what, that's what kind of shapes us and defines us. So that's really important to me. Thank you so much for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you would do us a huge favor, leave a rating or review wherever you are listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone and tag us on social media. That would help us so much with growing the show and helping others to stay ahead of the curve.